Today's episode is brought to you by Billabong's Revolution Natural Wetsuit. Join the natural revolution. Unlike most wetsuits which are petroleum based, the Revolution Natural Suit comes from 100% natural rubber. Believe this, one FSC certified natural rubber tree known as the Hevia Brasiliensis yields four natural wetsuits per year. Are you kidding me? Featuring Ulex Pure Natural Rubber sourced from FSC certified plantations, a graphene infused interior and airlight 4D stretch jersey made from recycled PET fibers. This suit provides the next dimension in stretch and sustainability. Mind dimension, mind dimension, next dimension. Join the natural revolution. Mad. Yes, what's cracking, you filthy animals? It's Christmas time. The bells are jingle, lingle, 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 lingle. And uh, you know what that means. Another Ain't That Swell live tour is just around the corner. We cannot wait to hit the road. It's going to all go down again. We've got some big guests, as per usual. And all of it brought to you by Billabong, our long-term partners in this insane social experiment. Well played to the bongers for stumping up and uh, investing in core surf culture and tales of extreme degeneracy. Now, uh, just to get you all in the mood for the new tour, which will be announced kind of shortly, probably just on the other side of Chrissy and New Year's, uh, we're going to revisit one of the all-time great live episodes from Margaret River with none other than Da Goat, the 11-time world champ, uh, and Seth Moniz with a little cameo from Griffin Colapinto. It was a classic night, as good as it really gets. Uh, a captive audience with the greatest of all time, and fuck, he was on one too. Holy smokes. I uh, just remember that night just looking next to me and just going, yes, this guy is on fire and just ripping yarns from here to the wazoo. I just put my feet up. Packed me little Nepalese, chillum and uh, lunged a couple while the goat took it away. It was a great night, and uh, I hope you enjoy it and get psyched for the new tour. You know, start putting the pennies away. You know, might have to dock uh, dock grandma's present a bit. You know, go to go down to the uh, discount bargain store, and you know, yeah, I know, I know the swellings now to pinch pennies with the best of them. So just keep that in mind. The tour's coming up. Save your doubloons for a big spend on the night. And enjoy this romper of a live show. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I like to say, and I ASP gonna find me. I want to be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit. You know. I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the pull back, drop down, say bah. Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table thing? Oh, surf looks good, Ivan. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back! <laughs> Get now, it's time for tonight's main event. Fighting out of Cocoa Beach, Florida. The son of a bait-and-tackle shop owner, he was plucked from obscurity to become the original child prodigy. A world champ, 
before he could legally rip the top off a of King Brown. He won five in a row for tapping out for a tubular sabbatical and tapping back in for a Royal Rumble with the great AI. The titles kept coming, the records kept tumbling, winning his last number 11 in 2011 at the grand old age of 39. The oldest world champion by six years and the most winningest by a country fucking mile. We thought we'd seen the best of the GOAT and then the cliffs of Oahu began to rumble, the Pacific world to life and the pipeline. Birdies teeth deep in his GOAT lair, surrounded by soiled silk parchments and a cauldron bubbling of a mystical Amazonian brew, a figure stirred to life. Part vortex shaman, part wise man, part journeyman, and part goat. Deep in his goat lair, surrounded by soiled silk parchments and a cauldron bubbling of a mystical Amazonian brew, a figure stirred to life. A vortex shaman par excellence, a wise man, a journeyman, the point to prove, a pipeline to conquer, and enough lead in his pencil to etch his name in the history books for eons. History beckoned, school was now in session. Please be upstanding for the 11 time world champion, the greatest of all time! Kooks and Barneys, welcome to Ain't That Swell live at the Beer Farm. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Piece award-winning surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro-dosing. Sumibi. And I'm joined here, as always, by my loyal co-host and friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Surfing World magazine, Tracks magazine, Waves magazine, Vaughn Rinstcorn, Deadly. Hey. <laughs> G'day, Smithy, and welcome 
To ain't that swell again, Kelly. Mate, memories of the last show, Torquay. It was a, a pretty wild night. Uh, yeah, I, I vaguely remember as you were driving out of the place, you were getting mooned by one of the Swellians. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe two. You got to see right into the corn <laughs> of what these people are about. <laughs> yeah. What did you think? Clean? Rinsed? Huh? Was it rinsed? Was it nice and clean? There's not that many backside tube options in Torquay, so I imagine it was pretty smudgy and cobwebby and uh, pretty fucked up. A sobering thing to cop at the end of the night, that's for sure. Eh? Uh... Hey, mate, um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind starting with the Oscars because you were there. Yeah. Did you cop it? Did you see it? What went down, man? Did you see Chris get rocked? Well, we were, uh, we were, we were at the Oscars for... We went there at like 2 or 3 in the afternoon, and then that happened like at... Eight or nine at night. So it was like hours and hours and hours of stuff happening. They did a pre-record for about three hours that they'll just show like a 10 seconds or a minute of, but those would each take five or 10 or 15 minutes. So the point being that you're not watching everything, right? And that was just another of a whole bunch of people sitting up there. But I was probably like, I don't know, maybe here to the scaffolding outside away from it, you know? And, and, um, and I saw, I heard, kind of heard the joke, and everyone was laughing, and Will Smith was laughing, and, you know, and then I saw him walking up on stage, and I just thought it was part of the skit, and I wasn't really paying attention, so I was, I kind of was looking down, and then I heard the slap, and I went, whoa, what happened? And then I saw him walking back, and I was, it was, uh, the whole place just went like, <gasps> like everyone, like it went from kind of a lot of people laughing about the jokes to like, everyone just like, oh shit, what just happened? And, um. And then Will Smith went back to his, to his seat, and he kept screaming and cussing. And I guess they were cutting it off of the, the live thing, but everyone's probably Googled that. They see what he was saying. But it was wild. It was really uncomfortable. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Did it, did it take you back to, uh, <laughs> did you have that flashback to when uh, Mick Campbell and Andy Irons had that whack? It was similar. Yeah, it was almost the same. Similar yeah. vibe back. Similar, same impact yeah. on uh, society. And yeah. True. Mate, um, who was the most annoying celebrity? Who kept coming up to you going, oh, dude, I surf, I surf. Man, was it Keanu Reeves? He's always telling people he got barreled. <laughs> was it? Because, you know, like, we know what it's like for you. Like, everyone else is just pretending to be something. You are something. So no, who was coming you know up what? to you? Just... Actually, the, the, the best conversation I had was at After Party with Jeff Gordon, the NASCAR driver, who's one of a million of those things. I don't know how many times he's their champ, but... Um, he was really nice. He's been to Surf Ranch. His kids surf. Um, an actor, Kyle McLaughlin. His kids are super into surfing. And he was actually going on a surf trip to Cocoa Beach the next week with his family. I don't know why he's doing that. There's no waves. But I set, I set his kid up to go surf with Todd Holland, which was kind of cool. Um, I mean, let's, talk a, let's talk a bit about surfing, though, because there's some uh, serious controversy hovering around the tour. Rumors of strike action, industrial action. Um, Petitions being signed. Mm. Mate, you've seen a lot of changes in your time on tour. Um, you know, you, when you started your career, it was uh, a lot of events running small waves. Uh, then the Dream Tour kicked off. There was no waiting period back then. That's when it's hard to remember before a webcast, really, you know, the past 20 years. But um, we didn't have waiting periods for contests. You showed up. In fact, the first year I did it in 91, 90 and 91, I, I did events on tour. 
and um, there was a there was no there was sort of a trials, and there was the top 17, right? So you made it to the main event, and I think you surf against the back 17, and then you surf against the top 17. But you start on Monday, and you finish on Sunday, and there's a heat every hour, you know, every hour, every every hour of sunlight for that week, there was a heat going on, no matter how small or bad the waves were. So, and in France, you know, somewhere like France, it could be giant, it can be flat, it can be onshore, it can be perfect, you never know, but uh, throughout the week, you'd get amazing or horrible conditions, but um, yeah, there's been a lot of... A lot of talk this past couple of weeks. Yeah, and, um, well, I'm, I'm interested to get your take, not just on the new changes, but, you know, like, all the changes, I guess. Like, you know, the top 44 down the top 35, then there was chat of a, a kind of a, a rebel tour with the top 16. Um, I'm sure you got an opinion on, you know, we'll talk us through those changes, what they brought to the game, how they changed the game, and what you think the ideal format is. Uh, I might work backwards off that. I think, I think the... I think the ideal format would be um, if you had a like sort of an open trials leading in, and it and it it finished with 16 guys that met the top 16. I think. So like the original early 90s kind of something format. like that, yeah. yeah. Because it, it that truly is like an open event, and somebody can surf their way in there on their skill. It's it's you know, it, but I I think those should be run regionally, maybe. Um, by like surfing Australia or surfing USA or whatever, um, and then that feeds into the main event when the when the the, the world tour people come to town. Um, as for the changes, yeah, the first year I surfed, I got out of, I got out of school in '91. I went on the back half of the year, and the next year they were running cut to the top 44. They cut. Uh, I got 43rd, and I just snuck in that year in '91. And Mungaberry got 44th. Did I tell you this story before? No. So at sunset, um, at, at, at sunset where I obviously dominate. Um, True. Yeah. Um, I had to surf my way in. Basically, sunset and pipeline, I had to surf my way in to make it on tour. But I had a heat with Munga. I don't remember who else is in the heat. But the reason I remember that is because everyone remembers that wave that Munga flipped her on and did the airdrop on. I was actually about 10, 20 feet outside of him, and I was like, I paddled over it, and I was like, fuck no. And like, I, I just paddled over the thing, and he flipped it behind me, no paddle takeoff, and he airdropped in, and he had to make it through that heat to make it on tour. Literally, he, he made that drop, got a 9 or a 9.1, and um, didn't really have a backup score, but by making it through that heat, I think it was through that heat. Anyway, that's, this, that's the story I got to stick to. It sounds good. But yeah. Hey. So Munga, Munga got 44th and I got 43rd. We both made it through that heat. And Jeremy Biles was Rookie of the Year that year, I think. Just, just a little tad bit of uh, information. 91, was he? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And look at you. Yeah, Biles. Very similar careers, the two of you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what, yeah. What's your position on this cut, though? Like, I mean, everyone's got something to say about it. Uh, People have strong opinions. Here, my, my opinion was, I knew when the year started we were having a cut. And to be honest, last, basically five years ago, I hurt myself. I broke my foot really bad. So I've been kind of off and on with some injuries last few years. And 2019 was my last, was the, first, the only full year I've had since I hurt myself in 2017. And last year in Australia, this was kind of hotly debated because they were talking about doing a cut last year. Um, I honestly haven't been to most of the surfers meetings, so I don't know the, all the details of how it got to this place. Um, I've gotten kind of a, the cliff notes of it a couple times the past couple weeks, but 
I wasn't really involved behind the scenes on any of that. I just knew we had a cut coming up, and we started the year, and, and um, uh, worked yeah. out pretty good for you. Well, I, I won that first contest. I'm like, let's do it. Let's do a cut now. <laughs> no, I just I, I knew that was what I was signing up for to start the year, but I understand there's a lot there. Now I understand. It seems like so many people are against against the cut you know a lot of people on tour are and um i think depending on where you are you have your own bias obviously like your rating you know if you're not doing good you don't want the cut if you're doing good you're like eh, i'm not sure um i'm i honestly hey, we ask the questions randy <laughs> i honestly I'll be talking. no we'll get I, to you after i honestly don't answer questions from the crowd <laughs> no um no do, i really, do you want the cut <laughs> there you go. I, I don't really have a strong feeling either way. I, I think it, it, it brings a lot of interest to this event in particular. Um, I know that, uh, well, I don't know if this has been released publicly or not, but, but Margaret River is going to be the cut event for the next two or three years. It's, this is the place that signed up for it. So there's going to always be that focus on this. And there's, you know, there's, there's never that interest in the middle part of the year, in the middle part of the tour placings. But now that it's there, it's, this, this event's going to be super interesting to watch um, to see who's on inside, outside the bubble, who, who's inside the bubble but falls off early, who's outside but looks like they're on fire. It's, it'll be super interesting in that way. But it, it brings up all these other questions about people's contracts and money and career, and they, they earn their way on here, so why can't they surf G-Land at least, you know? I mean, that one would hurt enough, but, um, but to make it on here and, and not be able to do the back half and get to J-Bay and get to go surf Tropu and, and potentially work your way back up to making a top 10, you know, I don't think anyone outside the 22 is going to be a threat at the world title besides maybe Gabriel because that guy will come in and probably win a couple events. But, um, but it, you could do something pretty good for your tour, for your ranking next year, that kind of thing. But I don't, I don't have a strong feeling either way. I, I, dude, I'm tired. I've been doing this 30 years. Griffin and Seth are here tonight, and they were asking me my opinion. And I said, well, we signed up for this. But at the same time, the, the tour, the future of the tour is kind of in your guys' hands, that, that, their era, you know. And so they, they need to be really vocal about the guys in their early 20s getting on the tour now, the guys up at the top. They need to be really vocal about what they want and what they see and, and uh, negotiate that with the tour and, and make it understandable for everybody and have that vision going forward. I mean, it's their tour to, to have the next decade or more, you know. Mm. And we do hear a lot about the surfers' take on the cut, but we don't hear that much about the public and the spectators' take on it. And I mean, from the public's point of yep. view, it does it does create, like you said, uh, much higher stakes at a, a somewhat banal stage of the tour season. Yeah. Uh, it puts a lot more interest into challenger series events. You know, you'd be hard pressed getting me to watch a, a QS, uh, even if it was a ten thousand, unless it's going to be at somewhere like Pipeline yep. or a, a quality wave. So it's created, it has created a, a lot more interest in a part of the tour that struggles for interest. So I guess, you know, that's got to be weighed up. Um, you know, what are the two arguments, I guess, uh, if you could paraphrase them? I, th I think that's kind of it. it, it I, from what I understand, the, 
the tour wants to make, well, there's, there was a lot of grumbling about the finals last year. There was more eyes on the finals than any event we've ever had. And it wasn't Pipeline and it wasn't Chopu. Um, I don't know the demographic of that. I don't know the, the, the geographical location of everyone who watched that or whatever, but I know it was, they're saying it's way more eyes than they've ever had on Pipeline or Chopu. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky one because if you don't have the business and you're not making the money and the, and the tour is losing money, you're, we're not going to have a tour, or at least not in the way it is now, right? But, um, but if you don't have a bunch of people who are happy doing it and being able to sustain their lifestyle and, and have a career, then you don't, you don't have it either. So it, it's really like there's, a, there's the art side, you know, the, the, the athlete Art, you know, creative side of it of surfing, and then there's the business side of it, and, and, and it's the age-old story. And the sad fact of sport, the sad fact of sport is like, you know, as a spectator, you want to see emotion, you want to see tempers flaring, you want to see sportsmen in high-pressure situations. Everyone's in high-pressure situations. Exactly, this that's right. And and for your friends too, if you got a heat with your friend who's not making it, and you're smoking him in a heat, or you're ahead on one wave or whatever, that it, it puts you in a funny position. You know, it, it puts you in a tough position to. To figure out if you got if you got that sort of like I don't give a shit I want to win at all costs or if you're going to be nice and usually um, th there's going to be a there, there's usually a couple heats that come down like that and and uh, I'm looking forward to see that. What do you think about the cut? <laughs> I want to hear this guy. I mean he's asking. What are your thoughts? Anyway, for those, no. listening, hey. for no. those listening on the podcast, Kelly just threw to a guy in a Crocodile Dundee hat and he uh, came up with a pretty logical response, to be honest. Hey, Kelly. Now, now, now you know how it feels. Like, uh, every time you ask something and everyone's like calling bullshit on you if you, you know, say the wrong thing. Hey, man. <laughs> you just brought up a really... <laughs> you can see both sides, though. Yeah. You just brought up something really interesting to me. It's the surfing against your friends. It's surfing against... Rookies at surfing against wily old dogs. It's all these different scenarios you can find yourself in. And every single person we've ever had on this show has a story about surfing against heat against you and some form of head fuckery, like some sort of trickery, some sort of mental game that you have played. I just want to know, is that actually in... Look, face to face, looking at each other. Don't stare into those eyes, Juan. I know. Right. They're so crystal clear. I can see every beer I've ever had when I look Kelly in the eyes. <laughs> Mate, I want to know how much of that is part of your game? Like, can you, can you actually say, yes, I do paddle out of J-Bay and say it or Gromit, are you going left? <laughs> like, is oh, that... Yeah, I've said that. I've said that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, is, it, is it all in people's heads, Kelly, or are you paddling out going, how the fuck do I get an edge on this person every single heat? No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the secret. I'll tell you the secret. That's why we're here! Because <laughs> I, I watched a movie on the secret. And I learned it. No. Um, 
everyone competes in a certain way. So, so Mick talked at Bell's last week about how the way for him to win, he learned that the way for him to win was to just block everyone out. So I've been in heats with Mick where, I'm, where I'll say something, like try to break the ice and make it funny and I, so I can relax, and Mick's like... And he literally blanks me. He's like, fuck you. But he doesn't, he doesn't say it, right? So, um, but I've always been, I've always felt more at peace in a heat just being more relaxed, like breaking that ice. I'm not that, uh, my personality is not to where I'm super intense in people's faces. I, I like to kind of, um, I don't know, just cut the tension a little bit. I mean, my, what's, no, my dad, my dad was like a really funny guy, so every time something was intense, he always like beat it back with laughter and, and, and comedy. So I kind of, I've always been where things are really intense, I want, I want to break that tension and be relaxed. So. I'll just say something that helps me feel more relaxed. I don't, I'm not really trying to fuck with another guy. I'm trying to get myself in the right headspace. And, um, and um, some people can't fucking deal with it, man. Eva. Mate, you, 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 that being said, I'm going to tell you one real quick, though. I surfed, I surfed against Owen when he was a rookie at Bell's, and the dude fucking blanked me so hard. And um, I think Mick gave him like a full pep talk before, like don't talk to him, do not look at him, just like get the get deeper on him, like catch the first wave, get ahead of him, like use your priority. Like he did the whole thing, and I was like, I was honestly like pretty intimidated. I was like, well, this guy's like, I hardly even know who this guy is, and he's just smoking me right now, and uh, and he beat me, uh, you know. But it was like it, the, the tension broke, it went his way, you know, and I couldn't ever get real comfortable and relaxed, and so I was a little in my head. So it's for, I think for any competitor, you, you got to be able to get out of your head and get relaxed. And some people like to be more intense. And some people like to be more relaxed. And I tend to like to be more relaxed. And if I feel super confident or whatever, I, like occasionally if I feel like I have that upper hand and I'm totally relaxed, yeah, I've said things that fuck with guys. But, but, it's, but, it's, but it's fun. Like for me, I feel like it's fun. Like ask Richie Lovett. We had a heat. We had a heat at Chopa one time, and this, this wave came, and it was so good. I think it was like 05 or 03. And I don't know if he remembers, but I said, I'll give you 1000 bucks for this wave. And he had priority. I think it was 1000 or 5000 It was such a good wave. And I actually thought, if I get this wave, I will win the heat, and I'll cover that 1000 bucks. <laughs> he got it. I won. This is the shit. This is where I wanted to go. <laughs> Should we get a beer for the camera? Yeah, let's. But just one more thing before we do. Uh, mate, I think you occupy a space in every surfer's mind and, and hearts, really, where they're going to remember every encounter that they've ever had with you. So it makes uh -oh. sense to me that every single thing you do in a heat is going to be analysed by them, whereas you're like, who the fuck's this guy in this heat again? Because you've surfed so many. Like, do you think that yeah. that's sort of part of that mind game when you there's, hear, there's guys when you on hear tour, stories on, There's people on tour right now, I don't even know who they are. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that's going to be taken out of context, mate. That's a, that's a headline. Seth's upstairs going, fuck, I hope he's not talking about me. <laughs> hey, let's get a special guest up on the panel. We're just going to pull him out. Richie Lovett, oh, get on yeah. up here, bro. G'day, Rich, and uh, a winner of uh, one entire CT during his career. Well done, Richie. The famous victory. 
Uh, boys, Wait, who knows where Richie won his... I didn't ask where it was, I said who knows. <laughs> the one and that, only one. So... Only one. It was on the left, and it was kind of West Swell in the uh, late summer, that little West Swell, and it was just standing up, and Richie's got this lethal backhand, and he just smoked Bruce Irons. Was it Bruce in the final or semis? No, Taj. Oh, didn't you, have ta didn't you have Bruce in the semis or something? No, I had... Um... Quarters? I thought I remembered a heat with you and Bruce, but... I can no, there was, a, there was a heat that I had with Andy, actually. Oh, Andy. That was, um, I think it was the following year. And I think he just thought he was going to wax me. And I beat him. He, he was, there was a set coming, and he paddled for the first wave. And um, he didn't get it. And then the second wave was better. And I was in a good position, and, and I just paddled straight over his back and got the wave. And he was so fucking cut that he came in and he literally just destroyed his board, destroyed the scaffold, and just went completely apeshit. And, told, uh, told Richie not to come to Hawaii that year. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, well, bad luck. So, but I don't know. You get those little wins, but... Um, oh, just those little wins, you know. Nah, well... Hey! You yeah. know what? I, I got to take them when I could get them because I... Never beat him in... Ever? The, not once. Not one fucking time did I beat this guy. And Ro rock, rock, scissors, paper, right hey, now, go. Hey, hey, no, no. Ready? <laughs> rock, scissors, paper. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He tied me today. We tied today. Well, I had, I had a couple other gigs helping me out there. So. But no, the one time that I thought that I did have him it was i don't know if you remember i'm sure you do um it was at the manly event and it was early in the contest and um i kind of got a, I, I was on my backhand again i had a couple of good waves i think it was the final 30 seconds and i actually had you and i think you needed like a six seven five and this it was low tide and there's no shore breaks at manly at low tide ever um, and this little there, right-hander there, came some. through. There's, a, there's some. Well, the one, the one that there was came through. And so anyway, 30 seconds to go, you take off on this little right-hander, and I'm going, I fucking got him here. And uh, you, did a, you did a little reverse, and then you went through to the inside, and then this thing just, this queeny right shorey just popped up, and you went bang, 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 and that was it, and I was fucking done. So that was the only time I got close to beating you, and then... I'd never be so. This is a, a fascinating window into what the retirement home for old pro surfers is going to be like, isn't it? Remember that time? Well, Remember? <laughs> Sorry. I'm, right, Shory. I was just going to say... I never got over that one. Ever. No, but when I retire, never I'm going to apologise for that. <laughs> Boys, G-Land's back on the calendar. Uh, I've got to ask Here you guys. Mate. No, no, I don't, we don't... Yeah, we could go into the tsunami, but you've, you've told that story on this podcast, Rich, and it's pretty emotional. It's fucking gnarly, mate. But tell us about that first year, that first Dream Tour event, guys. Like, you'd been surfing, dribble for fucking most of your, you know, young careers at that stage. But to get to G-Land, you've got a waiting period for the first time ever, I think, Kelly. Um, and you're stuck on an island with the biggest bunch of fucking heathens on Earth. Like, what are your memories of that event? I think Tom Carroll and Nick Carroll were on acid the entire time. And <laughs> trying to make surf movies and well it's probably in his Weird book shit. You, should, you should ask him he's probably in his book um yeah the the interesting 
dichotomy about going to G-Land was not only the tour we had all those years where you run every day no matter what the tide and swell and wind, um, but we would also go from Japan to G-Land. Japan in the summer is like, it doesn't break pretty much, but we would always go from Japan in May, June to, to G-Land. And, um, uh, and, and we got to commend Rabbit on making the Dream Tour, right? He was the president of, of, uh, w, of ASP at the time. But it was Bruce Raymond who came up with G-Land event, and that was really what kicked off the idea of the Dream Tour, was having G-Land. And <clears throat> Bruce, Bruce's vision was, for those of you who don't know Bruce Raymond, he was a pro surfer in the 70s. He, was the, the, um, he ran Quicksilver International for years. He was my boss for about 15, 20 years. Scum Valley's finest, Bondi boy, represents. Yep, Bondi boy, absolute legend. And, and uh, he actually just spent the past week with me at Bell's. I, I get to see Bruce every couple of years, and he drove down with his dog and, and hung out at Bell's for the week with us. Surfed Urban Surf with us the other night. It was pretty cool. But Bruce came up with the idea. He, he wanted to have the first event of the year sponsored by Quicksilver, and he wanted it to be mobile, and everyone would fly to New York, do a press conference, and then wherever the waves were best within like a five-hour flight, go and have the contest there. But then he came up with the, the G-Land idea, and it would be like, back then, we didn't even have, uh, you had to pretty much wait till a magazine came out to get contest results, and he was doing live feeds every day of footage. Um, there was a fax that would go out and tell everybody who won heats and what the scores were, and it was pretty revolutionary at the time, and it was all filmed, and you know, they made a surf, a, a, like, how often do you have a surf contest to make a surf film on it? Um, so they did that for three, four years. And um, it was remarkable to, to be able to go to G-Land. The first thing I ever saw when I jumped in the water at G-Land, I started paddling. Within 30 seconds, I saw a big shark swimming right next to me. And wow, it, that's and how long ago you were in Indo. There were still sharks there. That's yeah. wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and then we finned it. Bad joke. That's also going to be taken out of context. I'm a redneck from Florida. My dad was a fisherman. I can say stuff like that. Um, it's a passy over here, but it's fine. What do you What do you remember at G-Land the first year? Um, the first year after the tidal wave. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you had been. The yeah, because what, what year was the tidal wave? '94. So I made the tour in 95 and 96 was my you, first year. Don't you guys want to hear the tsunami story? No, we've done that. Oh, you've already, everyone here has already heard it? We did that. Good. We did it already. So cosmic that you lived through that and then you went back to G-Land to surf an event there straight away. It must have been such a raw joint to return yeah, to. It was pretty, like at the time, I, I probably hadn't really processed what was actually kind of happened, you know, uh, because it was such a... It was such a big deal at the time, and I was still pretty young, and, and um, it, when I made the tour, I knew I had to go back, and I guess I was probably just overcome with joy at making the tour, and the fact that I was going to G-Land, and I was going to get to go back there and actually surf the place, not get nearly killed by the place. So, um, the first year was really cool. Um, I was there with Jake Pato and a bunch of the, the crew that I'd qualified with, and it had been on the year before, and I think that's the one that Luke Egan won, and I think gave the trophy to Hoyo. And I, yeah. Was Luke, that, that Luke, one? Luke won the last one, 97. Who won the first one? I did. Your boy here, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Beat Jeff Booth in the final. <laughs> Oops. Uh, Rich. <laughs> Whoops. Mate, uh, just quickly. I'm supposed to be the stack guy, too. Yeah, what do you do for work again? <laughs> <laughs> just... Starkey, I, I, I knew it. 
Um, but yeah, it was really cool. Um, a couple of things that stood out in my mind. Um, we had the, there's a couple of sections of the reef. There's Kongs and then there's money trees and then there's speedies. And um, speedies, everyone was competing at money trees and it was really perfect and it was fun. But then speedies, which is the, the real end part, the throaty part of the reef where you can literally get the backhand barrel of your life if you're a natural footer. Um, and it started to pump and they wouldn't move the contest. And then we all start, all the surfers started chanting, move it, move it, move it. So we ended up moving it down to speedies and it was just the most epic day of competitive surfing. I remember um, filming Shane Beshin in his heat and he got a 17 second barrel. We counted it that night. It was unbelievable. And um, that day I got the only 10 that I've ever had in competition. Yeah. so. Thank you. You got to take these moments to have a little pat on the back, but um, no, it was cool. It was, it was really special, and um, funnily enough, we were always there on the anniversary, which was June second of the oh, tsunami. Wow. Yeah, so we, we were always there for the event on the on the anniversary, and we're going to be back there again on the anniversary. So um, perhaps we'll have story night and do the tsunami there live. Yeah. Come on over. Mate, um, just before we let you go, Rich, uh, Gabby Medina's going to be coming back for G-Land, uh, possibly for the rest of the tour. Just thoughts on that? I mean, it feels like there's only four spots left in that top five now. Um, yeah, well... <laughs> like, if anyone could come back and just really mess shit up, it's Gabrielle. You know, he could, he could potentially come back and, you know win G-Land and just get on a heater and make that final five. And I'm sure he's got that in the back of his mind. He's not coming back just to make the numbers up. He's Kelly. coming back to get serious. So, um, you know, he's obviously been through a lot in the last few months. He's done a lot of growing. I've actually had a bit of dialogue with him and um, he seems like he's in a good place and ready to rock and roll. Mate, you took time out uh, for a few years. How hard is it to come back when you, you know, you need a big break, you've achieved everything you wanted to achieve. To come back in, into this furnace, especially in this back half of the year where it's all about that finals day, how tough will yeah, it be? Yeah, it was tough game? being number 17th in the world for so long. <laughs> we love you, Peen. On you, mate. Ah. Uh, do you have a take on that, Kelly? What, what's, what's Gabby in for when he gets back? <laughs> oh, that was good. Um, that was like the peak, you know? Like, how do you follow that? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the shot across the bow the other day with Gabby announcing that is that, yeah, there's a very good chance he makes that top five. There is no doubt he could easily win two events in the last five, maybe three, you know? When he came on tour in 2011, halfway through the season, he, 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 he joined in the, the cut year, him and John John in 2011. And uh, he won two of his first four events on tour at, at like 18 or 17 years old or whatever it was. So, I mean, he's remarkable and he's, he could easily be the best contest surfer of all time. And it's a, it's a funny, I, I find it really fun to watch between him and John because John puts out all the 
edits that everyone in the world wants to see. But Gabriel is, I think, the best contest surfer I've ever seen. And, um, uh, and, uh, and then it makes for a great match between the two of them. And uh, I don't know what his seeding will be when he comes on. I guess he'll be like the low guy. So he'll end up against uh, the top guy, um, which will be Felipe. I'm, I'm just sort of riffing here. There might be two wild cards there. I don't know how. I don't. I actually don't know how the tour works after the cut. So, if somebody could tell me, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, I think there's a good chance he gets number one or two seed. So that could be right now what Felipe and Canoa or something. Yeah. And can you give us an insight into what makes Medina so great in a contest jersey? Uh, he's he's ruthless and he's super good. And he knows, he's tactically, he's really smart. He knows exactly how far he can push it. I've talked to the judges about this, where they've called, like, two of the five have called him on stuff in heats with me. I remember and they're him like, on. he just pushed it to that edge, but we couldn't quite do it. I remember um, him like, collapsing a section on you at Snapper, actually, uh, behind yeah. the rock. You were in the pit. Yep. You didn't make the pit. If you made the pit, you would have got the score. It was fucking genius. Yeah. But yeah, I remember, I remember <laughs> because I pulled in, and it was kind of chandelier anyways, but I was... From where I was, I was like, I think I can make this. I think it's going to open up with the with the with the backwash wedge, and then I just hit this thick foam ball. And I went. And I talked to the judges after, and they go, "Well, we couldn't quite tell whether he did." So I'm like, "So if I had come up and gone like this and like sold it, you might have." And they're like, "Well, maybe." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh fuck! I should have fucking done it." You know, I got I got to start claiming more or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he's but but I mean. Michael Jordan said, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. You know, you got to push, you got to push those rules as far as they can and you figure out where they stop. But I mean, I, like I had one recently, I got an interference at sunset and it was super debatable because um, John was not only not in my heat. Uh, did you guys see that one? So, so John wasn't, we were, in, we were in overlapping heats, which I came up with, so I kind of screwed myself there. Um, <laughs> But it, it's a rule that's never happened. There's been crossovers in heats where a guy kicks out and somebody goes over their line, and that's essentially why I got called. But John wasn't on his feet when he crossed my line. So if you go back and watch, he went past my line on a whitewater before he ever stood up. So if he had ridden on his belly and decided to not stand up and kick off, I wouldn't have got interference. So he didn't actually cross my line while he was standing. But there's the, the rules always get pushed as far as they, they can be, and then you figure out how to make them work right. And um, so I had to that, learn the hard way. That, that was one. such a terrible decision. Like, you've you got to use some I know, discretion in a I situation know. like that. Just, <laughs> well, it is. I mean, even from a spectator point of view, they destroyed one of the great narratives of that event, and it was a fucking, it was just a nothing call. Like, no one was interfered with on that wave. They didn't so like dumb. a 50-year-old having a yellow jersey, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. That's your second joke. That's your second old man joke. We'll do the old man jokes around here, thanks. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, you know, like you, you said before, you were, you were tired, you were over, you're not engaged. But, mate, everything you've said tonight when you're talking about competition, there's a fire in your eyes. Like, there's something going on. And, uh, obviously, top five, that's... Your surfing's doing the talking. But how's it been for you since Pipe? Because you've had a couple of losses. I know that uh, they're not results that you are hoping on banking. Yeah. Like, man, it, how much does that affect you now compared to losses in other prime years of your life? Yeah, I, I, well, um, I actually, I've, I felt, I wasn't, I hadn't processed pipe yet when sunset happened. I wasn't like mentally ready, but, um, uh, and then I, but then I got to Portugal and I didn't, 
I don't know, I was like really hesitant to even go. I'm just like, oh, it's so nice being in Hawaii and it's cold there. And I just like, I was in a negative kind of headspace. It's just not how you want to go and do your profession. It's like in, a, in the wrong mood. And um, I, I, I did okay. I got middle of the field, I got ninth. And I actually moved up two spots to number two in the world. I was like, that's super weird. How do you lose, feel like you ha did sort of not very well and you moved up in the rankings. But it was, it's just everyone's really tight right at the top right now. And there's some sort of unexpected wins early or, or good results early from, from, um, from people that, you know, kind of rookie guys and, and younger, some of the younger generation. And then, uh, and, and then you know, the Italos and Felipe's and John are taking a minute to kind of get their engine started and now they've started to and you can see Felipe is kind of running away right now um, and uh, it's <clears throat> I don't know I, th I, I think while I'm here I try to get that fire built up and stuff but some honestly like, I'm just it, it's not like when I was uh, in my 20s or even 30s I, I just am not as uh, motivated for a competition I'm more interested in board design and surfing good waves around the world, but I've committed to this year on tour, and so when I get there, I, try, I just try to get the fire going, but um, you got to really love what you're doing and be happy in order to do your best, and I've, I've struggled a little bit last couple of contests, so I've, <clears throat> I've, I've been trying to, this past week, uh, since Bell's ended for me, I've been really trying to just have some talks to myself and go, you know, be happy, enjoy this. Is what, like, look, I, as a little kid, I would have killed to be in the position I'm in to be on tour and be able to surf competitions. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little funny to get jaded by it when it was your goal in life. And, uh, but, uh, I, you know, things change in your life, and I'm sort of at that position. Just before we talk about your last win, because we're going to get Seth down in a sec, mm. how long does a loss sit with you now? You know, like... There's a big break between mm. big wins for you and just, I don't know, just watching you process that energy, mm. especially at Bells, I was just like curious to see, you know, how long does it sit with you and how do you sort of pull yourself out of that? Because even though you're saying it's not the same energy as when you lost when you're in your yeah. 20s, it's still a feeling that you don't like and it's still something that you've got to deal with. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, a, it, it's, it's a hard one because you're doing, thank you, uh, it's a hard one because it's, in front of the world, and you're trying to process how you feel, and uh, or, or you know the surfing world. But I was, I was stinging at bells because I didn't, um, you know, I didn't see his waves and my waves to compare to see the scores and anything like that. But when you come up and people are like, "Oh, he got overscore," and and it drives you nuts because it makes you, it just makes you like feel like you were a victim of something, and you got to get out of that headspace, like. Look, I, I just want to go out and do my best, and if the other guy wins, good on him, and I want to congratulate him. It's, you know, his moment. Um, and Two I, days? I, three days? A week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was stinging the next day. I was so fucking pissed at myself. I was, uh, because I didn't go out. Ross gave me a little tip before the heat. He just mentioned something to me, and it was exactly what I was thinking about how to surf the waves. And... Um, I didn't listen to him when I surfed two in the pocket, and you just can't surf in the lip at Bells. You just can't. And I got stuck in the lip because the wind came up. The morning was really easy because it was glassy, and it was super easy to see the line and, and the curve and, and turn on the face and throw a spray. But as the wind came up, you know Bells. It's like flat and hard to surf, and I just got stuck kind of surfing in the pocket. And, and um, you know, I, I think if I just look at it objectively, I surf pretty good in the heat. 
I just, um, you know, I lost on the scores, and you got to just let it go. But I was really irritated for about 48 hours. <laughs> and it, it's, it's funny to be... To, to have done this for that long and not be able to let it go quicker. But once in a while, I'll literally lose a heat and be like, good job, and, I'm, and it doesn't bother me, and I think, that's strange. It should really kind of piss me off, but it, occasionally it just doesn't at all. I don't know. I, I feel like it makes me upset if I made a mistake, if I could have done something different, and I knew it in the moment. But if I go out and do my best and I lose, I, it, I process it right away. And when the judges make a mistake, that's, you're cool with that. When right? the judges fuck it up, it's like it's on them. No. <laughs> no. That's... <laughs> Hey, if you're doing, if you're, if you're really on your game, you don't leave it in the judge's hands. So mm. it's, that's, Good call. that's your fault. Hey, let's talk about winning. Let's get our next guest on. It's time! Fighting! Out of Pupake, Oahu, the son of a God-fearing Golden Gloves boxer, he's the latest Step in a long up. line of core lord, chew pig, punt freak, Longboard world title winning Step Wizards. He's the 2019 WSL Rookie of the Year, a Polynesian chew packing prodigy who finally realized his true potential as a surfer by losing the Pipe Masters to a man old enough to be his great 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 grandfather. Please welcome to the stage, Sir Moni! That's well, Seth. I don't know if Griff gave you the heads up, but yeah, mate, God knows where this is going to go. And uh, good luck. Best of luck to you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, Griff gave me a little introduction. He said it was wild. Guys were obviously having beers. We're at, a, we're at the beer farm, but um, uh, it's good to be here sitting next to a guy, Kelly. Obviously shared a heat with him not too long ago. Got you guys out back there. <laughs> Man, tell us about your earliest memories of Kelly, because I understand your old man, Tony, was a mentor to Kelly, and uh, you, you must have known him since he was in nappies, or even, you know, before he was born. That doesn't make any fucking sense, but, uh... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, no, you might have known him when he was pregnant, almost. Or, uh, that didn't sound right, either. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got photos at home of Kelly holding me as a baby, like... Probably four or five years old, and we're at the Eddie Aikawa event, and he's carrying me. And next year, he's playing football with us, and yeah, it was pretty crazy, obviously, to be in a heat with him and to be on tour with someone you're, you know, you're a grom growing up in Hawaii, and like more of a more of a guy you look up to, and like a a mentor, and yeah, it's crazy. Fuck, do you <laughs> speechless. Do you remember Kelly when you were holding Seth, singing, singing him to sleep? Just go, I'm gonna be with you at part one. <laughs> Don't cry, little guy. Uh, uh. Well, what I was trying to do, I was already trying to play mind games with him. Uh, like fake drop him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. No, so, but, so yeah, obviously, Seth's dad, Tony, um, is a total legend, um, was a mentor to me, but, like, my main mentor in Hawaii was Brock Little, and Brock and Tony 
Like, if you go back and watch the 1990 uh, Eddie Cow, those guys, like, you remember the barrel that Brock got? He only really got that barrel because of Tony Moniz. And it's because Tony and Brock were pushing each other deeper and deeper and deeper. And there's actually, a, there's about a 25-footer. Like, we would have said Brock's is like an 18-footer, 20-footer maybe. But Tony took off on about a 25-footer and tried to backdoor the thing, and he wasn't going to make it, so he actually tried to pull through the back and went over the falls on the thing. That's actually but, one of my all-time favorite surf photos at bottom turn. It's, yeah, it's oh, psycho. It's like psycho, Tony, Tony was psycho. Um, but, like, the nicest, the nicest psycho you've ever met. You know, like, <laughs> like not outwardly psycho, just, like, just so intense inside and confident. And... Um, uh, but t like Tony's just always been so good to me and such a like a father figure to me. So it's it's funny. I'm sort of like the generation between Tony and his kids. And I just remember these guys, the, all the five kids at at Waimea at every Eddie when they were like literally from like one year old all the way up. And and uh, I was uh, a quick quick story about Tony. I was out at Waimea one morning before the Eddie just wanted to get out there and get away before the contest started and it was the biggest it had ever been while I was in the eddy at the time and it was every pretty much every set was a closeout set and there's about 50 people out and the set came and it looked like it was in a break like 200 yards out to sea and everyone just paddled like towards kind of point off the peak and I I just started following the crowd and I had my lineups and I'd, I'd surf YMF for years already but I remember looking back and seeing there's one guy just sitting there, not even, not even taking one stroke further out to sea, and it was Tony. And this, like, 25-foot set came, and I kind of went, okay, well, he knows it better than me. I'll just sit, like, 20 yards on the shoulder from the guy and paddle. And the wave came, and Tony just, he kind of stuck his board in, took, like, literally one or two strokes and free fell into this closeout and stuck the drop and kicked out in the middle. And I remember I paddled for it and didn't even get moving. And it was so, in, it was like, I couldn't imagine the intensity he was feeling at the time. But it was, it was one of the most legendary things I've ever seen in my life. I'm so, so now Seth does that shit. <laughs> yeah, oh, not at all. Chattery backdoor fucking. I just surf backdoor and pipe. I don't, I don't surf my man. I mean. Surf Jaws Wait, once. Wait, didn't you go to Jaws? Or I went to Jaws. Or I thought I was going to be a big wave surfer after that, but I don't know if it's not for me. <laughs> Kelly, I'm interested to know, man, um, you know, take us back to the early years at Pipe. You know, you're a 14, 15-year-old Grom from Cocoa Beach, Florida. Like, how intimidating was that place and, and how difficult was it to make inroads there? Yeah, I, I, my first time surfing... Pipeline. I was 12. It was 1984, but it wasn't. It was like as big as this table, and about a three or four foot wave caught me at back door, and I remember getting sucked over the falls and pinned on my back with the board pressing against me at, on the reef, and I was terrified. And I paddled back down to Aokai, where it's all sand bottom, and I'm safe. Um, but it it like planted this seed in me. Like I got to figure that out, you know. And um, it took me a couple more years before. Wasn't until I was about. 15 or 16 that I started going to small backdoor and really catching waves. I actually was more comfortable, like, off the wall, kind of on the shoulder. And then probably by the time I was 17 or 18, I remember when I was 17, I went out there one day, and it was a big pipe day, and Ronnie Burns was out. And I remember seeing him take off on waves where he almost had to fade right, and it was, like, beyond vertical, and he was just sticking the rail of his board and using the rail like rocker. And I remember um, thinking, like, how masterful he was 
at Pipeline and how fun it was to watch him and how he didn't look scared at all, you know? And I just wish that I could get to understand and feel the wave like that, feel big barrel waves like that. And it, it definitely had a big impression on me. And then, you know, then when I was sort of 16 to 20, that era was like Tony, Johnny Boy, Mike Ho, Dan Kiloha, um, that whole crew, Marvin Foster, those guys were like ruling backdoor. And um, I would just sort of sit in and whatever they passed up, I paddled for. But <clears throat> there was a lot of good years where it wasn't, it was probably like a third or half as crowded as now. So you could be a Grom and still get some waves. And it's tough now. It's really, I feel bad for kids. Like, you want to surf pipeline now? It's, how gnarly is it out there? <laughs> it isn't, it isn't though, right? I mean, there's no freaking Marvin Fosters or uh, Dan Kilo's in the current no, generation. You don't, you don't get beat up as much, but it's really hard to get a wave. <laughs> Tell, tell us about your first experiences out there, mate. It feels like you've probably, you know, when Kelly was holding you, like five minutes later you were paddling yeah. out. Is it, did you have those same experiences that we all kind of, we all hold pipeline, you know, as that sort of holy ground? Do you remember your first surfs out there and did you have times where you were just going, what the fuck am I doing out here? Yeah, I mean, I grew up on the opposite side of the island on the South Shore, so... I grew up surfing Waikiki, and um, that's nothing like Pipeline. So I didn't really grow up looking at waves like Pipe and Sunset. I grew up watching all Moana bowls two to three feet every day. And like basically growing up, I wanted nothing to do with Pipe or anything like that. Like my summers are spent sand sliding on the beach, watching my dad do surf lessons. And like that's kind of how I knew my dad. I didn't really know him as this like gnarly big wave surfer. Like kind of intimidating guy so it was like a real gradual like step by step to the north shore like i got on billabong and then i you know started staying at the billabong house and spending time out there and i don't know was, my dad never really pushed us because he really knew that like if he pushed us he didn't want to push us away from the love of surfing so he kind of just let us naturally like figure it out by ourselves so like he never never told me to go surf pipe never told me to go surf anywhere really like it was kind of just all in us like when we wanted to surf so it was it was a slow process and i'm sure it's hard for him to watch um but it was really it was really more my uncles like that that told me like if you guys want to be pro surfers you guys gotta start you guys gotta sack up and surf pipe like it was just straight up like if you're not gonna surf pipe you're not gonna make it kind of and um yeah Obviously, like just staying at the Billabong house, you're right on the you're right on the beach there. So, eventually, we just started loving it out there. And um, I don't know, growing up surfing there with like guys like Griffin Colpintel, he's here right now upstairs. Um, guys like that that just I really seen him like a kid that came from California and like had nothing to do with that wave, but he would kind of just close his eyes and go. So I would be like, shit. Like, I kind of got to go now, too, so. I don't know, I think that's, that's like the best way you can like really get comfortable with the wave and like just love it and not just feel pressured to catch a good one. Everyone seems to have a story. Kelly's was really young, but also you had another one uh, around the time of black and white where you went over the falls. And it's sort of like you need a wipe out there to understand that you can survive it in a way. Do you have one of those waves where you really got leaked and you're like, fuck, do we really want this? 
I haven't had that bad, like, life-threatening wipeout yet. I mean, I've had really bad ones. I had bad ones in the Pipe Masters in my semis that I was like, shit, I, I don't know how much I can take. But <laughs> I think, like, on the smaller days, you know, it gets you. Like, I've had wipeouts when it was three foot, and it hit my head and almost knocked out. And those were the scariest ones, so it's, it's kind of when you least expect it. And um, I, think, I think everyone kind of knows that, that surf's out there. You're in the home of the Gath, mate. <laughs> mate, you touched on the Pipe Masters. Let's get into it. Uh, you know, just talk us through that first day. 10 to 12 foot plus, like, picturesque, perfect pipeline. Uh, you know, what was, your, what was your response when you laid eyes on it that morning? And just talk us through the, the, the nerves, the chat, the day. Yeah, who is it? Who was your first heat? I was with Carlos Munoz and uh, Kanori Garashi. So, I mean, prior to that, we had three weeks of straight eight to 10 foot backdoor pipe every day. Like, I think it was everybody out there was ready. Everyone, like there was no excuses if, if your boards weren't working or if you weren't, you weren't sacking up to go on a wave because the waves were there. So um, yeah, I was, I was just so psyched to surf, and my first heat, it was like a free surf. Uh, Carlos Munoz unfortunately got hurt in our heat, so it was kind of just me and Kano out the back and trading off, so it was, it was an unreal heat. And Kelly, you had Jack Robbo, a kid you've known since he was eight years old, just the three of you out there. What was that like, man? The local lad. <laughs> Hold your applause. He was meant to be tonight, but he flagged you, all of you. True story. <laughs> hey? Hey? <laughs> ah, we love him. Sorry, as you. <laughs> no, it, 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 it's, it's really interesting to have a heat with a guy like Jack after knowing it. Like you said, I've known him since he was about 10. I think it was when I first met him. And um, funny story, the first day I met Jack, uh, he was riding for Quicksilver, and... I wanted to do this thing with all the young kids. I, um, I think Jeremy was still pretty young and um, he joined us, but um, it, it was all the young Quicksilver guys. Leo was young and, and, and whatever. We, I said, let's go down to this, uh, to Talabudger Creek and we'll do some diving and some rock holding and breath, breath holding and rock running. And um, we're on the way there and I'm in the car with Trev and Jack. Uh, Trev, <laughs> and, right? Yeah, yeah, so, so, uh, so, <laughs> no, so we get in the car and, and Trev starts, start, Trev starts hitting me up and he's like, mate, mate, what do you eat, mate? What kind of, like, <laughs> he's, like he's like, mate, tell me about your diet, what do you eat, mate? And I go, oh, uh, you know, whatever, I, and I kind of was a little blase about it, I was like, oh, I, you know, I take some supplements and I try to eat good and blah, 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 I get a little bit of food combining and blah, blah. And, he, and he goes, you know, we do, mate. I give, I give Jack a bit of magnesium after an alkaline salad. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Aren't all salads alkaline? Like, by nature? But I go, how did you figure that out? And he's like, well, we tried a lot of things, mate. And that just seemed to work really good. I'm like, that's so specific. But, um, so, a, a friend of mine, a friend of mine's, a, a, a friend of mine plays that words with friends, and I told him that story, and so his name is Alkaline Salad. <laughs> um, 
It's, it's, it's interesting to surf a heat against a kid you've known since he was like so small and had the bowl cut and all that stuff. Uh, and he's, he's such a classic kid. I love Jack. He's, and he just charges. It's insane how good a barrel rider he is. He's so, there's no intimidation with big waves or intense waves. And um, a few years ago before he was on tour, we were out at Chopo and um, um, Ricardo Dos Santos, RIP, uh, Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo was out there this morning and Jack, and it was the morning, it was like right on the verge of toe, toe swell, like in 2014. And Jack was still like a little kid. And I hadn't paddled it that big before. And I got out there and I was like, fuck, I don't know how like when they come, which, how big a wave can you take off on? And this set came and Jack just flipped it and went. I think he was like 14 or something, you know, he's like a grom. And he went, I was like, you can't, like, you can't catch that wave. Like, and he just went, he stuck it and got blown out the end. I'm like, that kid is so gnarly. It's intimidating. But, um, so to then, you know, be 10, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Jack. So to be like 10, 12 years later, and, and have a heat with him at Pipe, I was like, I mean, I know I have 30 years out here on him, but like, I feel like I'm the underdog here because he's such a good barrel rider. And uh, he just seemed so dominant that day. He just, he knew which waves he wanted to have and he was in the right spot. And, and um, uh, we had Lucas Messinas in the heat too. And, and um, I was just trying to kind of catch up with Jack because he got a good start on me and he ended up kind of smoking the heat. But... Um, it was really fun. It was that day was so pristine and amazing. Like, I, yeah. Remember, yeah. I remember just paddling out. I was having trouble not screaming, like just in excitement and how good the waves were. You know, yeah. Yeah. it was just an amazing day. Like I mean, heat after heat after heat. Dudes were just packing it so hard, and it, it continued through fuck, for days. It was just like probably one of the best pipe masters of all time, or or Billabong Pipe Pro. Big shout out to Billabong, by the way. <laughs> I forgot to thank him at the start of the show. Major sponsor. Uh, they put on the, fucking one of the best comps of all time. Guys, what did you make of, like, just the performances across the board? Like, uh, you know, we saw Josh Yunker and, and John John just going at it. Geordie Smith fucking falling out of the sky. Judges just being that tight. Couldn't throw a 10 out to save their lives. And I was just going, fuck, I've seen some of the best tubes ever at Pipeline. Like, how do you maintain a sort of a, an even energy when you're just watching that level of surfing and that much perfection because you've got to maintain right are you going to burn out just don't watch it <laughs> really that, yeah. just you can't watch it just go in my room watch netflix chill just <laughs> millennials <laughs> right in the old in out in out So that's, that's fair income, you just don't watch any heats, you just sort of focus on what you got to do next? That's your approach? Yeah, I mean, kind of everywhere, I just like to surf. I surf in the morning. I don't know, I mean, if I'm staying with Griffin, I'm staying with him here and we're just normally just doing fun activities all day. But um, I don't know, I just, I'll just normally go home and just chill with my girlfriend and um, especially at Pipe, like, I don't even really like surfing out there when we're in contest time because I don't know there's a lot to lose out there you could break your best board or you can break yourself uh, so yeah that's, I think that's that's kind of the key to my like just maintaining my energy throughout the whole event 
What about you, Kelly? Were you watching every heat, or did you just turn your back on it as well? I, I, I turn the TV on, and I don't watch live. I watch a little bit on TV, and I think he, he brings up a good point. It's like there's so much adrenaline. You can burn yourself out by watching. You can get overly psyched, and um, you almost want to, like, hold that back, you know? It's just like we all become like a racehorse, and, uh, and you just you want to get out there so bad. You have to... You have to kind of pace yourself for the right time to get your adrenaline and excitement up because you can you can burn a lot of energy just watching and getting excited. So it's a it's probably a good plan not to surf it too much. I mean, these guys had a couple weeks leading up. I was in Florida. I didn't. I surfed like I think I surfed six times between October and getting to Hawaii like three days before the contest. And uh, so I got to Hawaii and I I just tried to get in the water and surf a whole lot the first couple of days. I was a little bit like out of shape, cardio, and gained a few pounds eating fried food in Florida and fishing. Um, thank you. Mate, you got to get on those alkaline salads, mate. Alkaline salad. <laughs> yeah. No, no shit, mate. I'm telling you, mate. No. <laughs> but, yeah. When it's that good, when the waves are that good and you get to go out with one or two other people in the water, your brain, I think, goes into a whole different compartment and you just get so focused and... It's like it opens up the fun factory, but also like the focus in your brain. Is there fear in situations like that, or are you seriously just licking your lips like you can't get enough of it? Is it, is it just actually more of a challenge not to go on waves? Mm. Oh, fuck, I kind of missed that question. Oh, I was, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just saying... It, it would have been good if you just answered some random stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like Joe Biden does. <laughs> I was just saying, is there fear in situations like that when the waves are like that, or are you actually just having to restrain yourself from, from going too many waves because you're just that frothy? Yeah, you're that frothy, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're in the heat, and um, I feel like I'm going to skip to the final, but in that heat, I wasn't going on waves, and this guy was going on waves, and under me, and getting nines and nines and nines, and I was just kind of watching him, and I was like, fuck. He's doing the wizard stuff right now. <laughs> Peel off your skin. Let's see it. We all know what's going on. <laughs> Mate, um, you both had clutch heats. I'll, I'll, we'll get to that final, because fuck, man. Kelly. <laughs> fuck. The, the couple of clutch heats, that one where you needed that buzzer beater, and, man, you did something in that, on that wave that was just pure surfing. Like, I, I don't know if you did it on purpose. I've just been dying to ask you about this. But you, you let go of the rail. It was like you knew it was coming. You knew it was made. Was that just... Like, where was your head at in that exact moment? Did you know... Was it a victory thing? Or were you just, like, sort of blown out that the wave had actually come and, and that magic moment had sort of arrived? Almost every event I've ever won, something sort of magic happens at some point where I break my, um, uh, my nervousness, you know, and sometimes early in contests I can get nervous and then if, if I can relax and, and feel free and not worry about making a mistake, it just like frees me up to do well and um, I, I, the number of times it's happened for me, I don't know, something just clicks for me and at that moment, I needed that situation to get to that place because I went, well, all right, there's about two minutes left and I couldn't see a whole lot coming and I started processing it. I go, well, 
I did pretty good. I felt confident. I felt like I surfed good. Baron was just the better guy today. And I, I went through this whole process in my head in the heat. And I, I thought about it. And, well, well, he started the heat deeper in a better position. He was really, like, he took an aggressive line on a wave that looked maybe too deep to make. I, I just started kind of playing it out. I was like, you know, Baron was a better guy today. And, um, and then I saw this set coming. And there was like 45 seconds. I was like looking at my watch. I'm like, okay, 45 seconds, 15-second intervals. That's three waves. Just blah, blah. I start doing the math. And then you could tell like the size of wave. You, you, judges, <laughs> well, judges, there's a certain size wave. You have to be deep enough and on a big enough wave to get a certain score, right? So you kind of, as you see the contest play out, you see what that size is. So I kind of did that whole equation in my head. And the wave before the one I caught was a pretty good wave. And I think if I did not have priority, I could have suckered Baron into that wave because it was a, just on the verge of like a good enough wave. But I thought, I, I just don't know if it's going to put me over the edge, you know? And I waited, the next one was bigger, and I, I, I almost skitzed out. I, oh, like, when I saw it, I was like, I can't believe it's here. And, and I was like, okay, it, it, dude, just don't think about it. Like, just do what you got to do. And I, I had to paddle the right spot, and I was like, shit, where's it? I, I literally paddled that way and out and in. I was like, I felt like a, a, a baseball player in the outfield trying to figure out where the ball's going to land, you know? I was like, don't fuck up, you know? And then I was like, okay, relax. Just catch the wave and ride it. And I took off and I pulled in. And I remember seeing Strider on the side. And I just thought, I got to let go of the rail. Strider will be stoked. And, 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 and like, and at that moment, like right at that moment, I was like, I feel like this is magic happening. And it just felt like, it felt like my week, you know? Man, you were, fuck. Round of applause. That was one of the psychoists. No one's had more buzzer beaters ever. No one than you. But I honestly believe that's when it clicked. It really, you hit a different gear. You look like a different surfer. Your surf heats, like you said, were almost vacantly. You were just so in the moment. Seth, your heat, uh, the semi, far out, man. Like, fuck that first big one. Like, just knifing it, free falling. Like, it, I don't think a line like that has ever been seen at Backdoor from my years of watching it. T talk about like what it's like when you've got to come up against a behemoth like that. Oh, John Quarters. Like, Quarters? Yeah, John Quarters, Quarters sorry, Quarters. Quarters. But, um, but man, that was the heat. Like that was either one of those two guys is going to the final and you fucking got under him. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was really bummed to, to draw him in the quarters because I felt like coming into the event, I would, my, obviously my goal is to make the final and win. And um, I just felt like I was putting in a lot of time in there, out there the last few years. And um, so to draw John in a quarters is not fun. And like, just to think about that, like, <laughs> you're just like, uh, I gotta you get- bring all your magic right I got, I gotta bring everything, all the luck, all, just everything. You need everything. You need, you need, you need a lot of luck. And I, and I got that edge, that just slight luck on my side to get that first wave. And that was kind of my, my, um, my plan in, in the heat. I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get the dominant spot and get that first wave. Pe and people don't make waves like that with luck. Like, that was <laughs> some skill, dude. <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah. Uh, a little bit of luck to get on that, that side of him. And I had a bigger board, and I know he rides small boards, so, um, and I had a, I mean, I was riding a 6'4". It's not a big board, but, yeah, I was just, He's probably on a 6'2 or something, and he's like 6'2, and I'm 5'7. <laughs> but 
yeah, I was just sitting outside of him, and that big peak came in, and I knew if I didn't go, he was going to go, so I just whipped it, and I don't know, it was, it was a lot, of my board, really, like, my board was really good, it just held in there just slightly, and I, yeah, I made that thing, I was pretty rattled when I came out, I, I knew once I made that drop, and I was kind of coming under the lip, and I was looking up, like, I was just kind of arching my back, and looking up at the lip, and I was like, fuck, I got this, and yeah, it was a pretty cool moment. And <laughs> but the shitty thing about that, um, I got a 9-6, and I think every, every other heat, if you start off with a 9-6, you're like, all right, like, back it up with a 6, and you're good. <laughs> and I knew like, I was... I need a 9-7. I need another 9-7, yeah. <laughs> and um, exactly, he, he backed it up. He got a 9 and an 8, and I needed a high 8, and... Five minutes left, and I got it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the all-time heats, man. So, so sick. I, I, I just, like, my feeling on that heat with, with uh, Seth and Josh, uh, Seth and Josh, Seth and, uh, and John, was um, I felt like Seth was the right guy to beat John. Like, he was the right guy to just back himself, you know? I, like, before the heat, I'm like, I think Josh... I, I, I keep saying Josh because I spent, two, uh, spent a month with his brother in, in Bali a couple of years ago surfing every day. But I felt like when I saw that Seth and John had that heat, I just thought, like, Seth's, Seth backs himself, and he just wants to prove himself right here. And I just, I just had a strong feeling, you know, before that heat started. And then that first one, you whipped it, and you made that drop. And I was, I was tripping. I was like, he's going to get this. He's got, he's got this. And that's the... <laughs> And Kelly, can you frame up that piece of surfing? I mean, uh, knifing, uh, side slipping down a chattery, 10-foot backdoor fucking bomb. Like, can you, can you break that wave down for us just in its sheer technical brilliance? His wave? Yeah, I'd love to get your take on it. Well, I mean, it was, what was crazy about Meteor Waves, you were really low. Like, you paddled way under it, it looked like it might foam onto your back, yeah. almost, and like, send you face first. Yeah. So that's what I kind of tripped on, out on. Like, <clears throat> I think you'll even say, like, you didn't get super crazy deep in the barrel, but the takeoff was so technical, and it was such a big section. It was, like, all, one, I, like you said, once you made that drop, you were like, okay, I got this. I think I got this. Because, yeah. like, you did all the hard work so fast, the score just, the score was there to be had. Yeah. But <clears throat> I think the other, I think that heat probably, probably drawing John at that time, I don't know, I haven't talked to you about that, but did that. Did that sap some of your energy, like your focus or whatever? Because you said, like, you were like, okay, I'm going to ride a bigger board, and I got to get a little deeper than him to start. And, like, you probably had to use a lot of your mental strength for that heat. 100%. I mean, I think I used most of it. I mean, I was fine. Every, everybody was like, oh, he looked tired in the final uh, quarter semis. He, and you're like, did you see my semi? I ate shit a bunch. Yeah, and I was... <laughs> I wasn't really tired. I was just, it was just a lot, like a lot to take in. I've never, it was all new to me, like being in a final day at Pipeline with 5,000 people on the beach and all that shit going on. It was a lot and being in a final with him. So um, I think just, it was a big learning experience. Let's just say that. And mate, just on the final, Kelly, like, far out, man, what a roll. Like, it just, it just seemed to all go your way. You were just 
pulling in, you had a moment like this where you just missed that guillotine and got blown out. I mean, you've surfed a lot of finals out there. And we saw the emotion come out of you. Obviously, it's one of the greatest wins of your career, if not the greatest. But how did that surf go for you? Like, when you reflect on just the actual surfing, was it one of the best surfs you've ever had out there? Um, any, anyone who's ever surfed a heat and been ahead in a heat with, like, three minutes to go has had, like, the longest three minutes of their life. And that you're just going, please, just hurry up. Like, every four seconds, you're looking at your watch, like, okay, how much time? How many more waves are going to come through? Um, I started the heat really good, but the, the, the cool thing about the heat was um, but as, we, as we paddled out, Seth was out just before me, and I got out there, and Seth goes, you better bring it. Yeah. I was like, all right. He's like, let, and I'm like, fuck, let's go. And he's like, let's go. And I was just like, okay, we're just matching. Like, at this point, it's like, you've done all the hard work. Like, You've, you've done all that work to get there. Like, there's nothing to lose now. You can't hold back at all. And I think the difference in that final was that a couple times, like Seth said, he, he was a little bit out, and I took a couple waves that snuck a little under. And those were my good scores. And I, I, think, I, I think I had priority on the last one that I free fell into. But um, he, was look, he was eyeing it up. And I was, a little, I was stuck a little bit far out, and I knew I had to just paddle my hardest to get to it, and, it, and I was late getting to it. But then he had that one behind me. So it was, I didn't exactly know the situation, because with about, what, five minutes to go, you got that one left where you kind of came out in your belly? Yeah. So uh, I didn't know what happened, but when you're surfing against, like, the local favorite, and his whole family's there, and all his friends are there, and and... They do some exciting. It's freaking. It's so intimidating being out by out by yourself out the back. You feel so lonely because he came out of that. You came out of that wave, and I just heard the crowd go totally like loony, and I just went, "Oh shit, he's out of combo. Oh, he's out of combo. There's four minutes left, and here he comes." And it just felt. I felt this like. It felt like a shift to me right then, and the whole thing felt like it was going my way. And then I felt a shift at that moment, and um. I didn't realize he went to his stomach and got back up, and the judges noticed that. Um, but even on video, it's hard to see you went to your, your stomach. Yeah, it was really like, hard to see. I mean, I thought I played it off pretty well, but I was... I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew. I, my head was down. Like, I, I just thought, like, this is like a full Kelly mover here. Like, <laughs> like if I'm going to no, be... No, I get, like, threes, and I get 3.17s on those. Yeah, I got a three. <laughs> I got a three. But I was like, if I'm going to beat him, like, maybe they just might have not seen it. And, like, yeah. I might have just gotten, gotten away with, like, the uh. best, like, the best three-point ride ever. <laughs> so I was, I was really, like, it's a three or a nine. And um, I kind of knew. I mean, there's, there's five angles from each direction, so it's, they're going to catch it. But I came back out, and I could tell he was like, oh, shit, he just got, it, like, a big score. And I was like, shit. Because <laughs> at that time, I started talking to myself. I literally started like talking out loud. I don't know if you could hear me, but I started. Fuck, he's out of okay. He's out of combo. Okay, and because I, I couldn't just do it internally. I had to like rattle my brain. Yeah. And I was like, okay, stop thinking about it. Stop worrying about the next few minutes. Be in the moment. Enjoy it. No matter what, if you win or you lose, like the whole thing, just soak it up. Like it's gonna go the way it goes. Just be present. And I was just like, I really had to give myself like. Enjoy it. Like if I win or lose, whatever. I made the final. Let's go. And yeah. I was, but then I, I got that last wave, 
Luckily, I made it because I looked around and he got a better score than me and he kicked out. And I was like, shit, he's going to get back out, get priority and get another one. Like he's going to pull the one minute, two waves, all at 18 points. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, was, I was thinking of the heat you had with John years ago and you got, I think you're comboed and you got whatever. You got yourself out of combination with two minutes left. Oh, that was, with, that was might that have been with, with Timmy Reyes. Timmy Reyes. Yeah. And that was just in my mind, and I didn't have the correct time on my watch, but I really think there's like 45 seconds left, so the and heat was I, done. I thought you were going to, you got caught though, yeah? At back door, did you get caught going back out? Yeah, I tried to paddle back out, and I got smoked by a wave, and, yeah. and the ski picked me up, and he kind of, he missed me once. He, like, it's, a, it's hard out there. It's not their fault. They're the, the best ski drivers in the world, and he missed me, and then he missed me again, and I finally got on the ski, and it was just a race back out. And I didn't even have time to look at my watch because there was real no time left. And um, jumped off the ski, and I was just stroking out. I was like, okay, one more wave. Like, it's on. Like, yeah. I got it. <laughs> I just love how cosmic that is. You're using Kelly as inspiration to smash Kelly. Exactly, yeah. Oh, that's a Kelly move. <laughs> Boys, uh, on behalf of everyone in this room, like, fucking... Thank you for that final. Uh, you, the emotion, you know, like everyone saw what it meant to you, Kelly. Magic moment. Man, it's the ultimate contest. It's the ultimate. So, I don't know if you know, but last time Kelly was on the, the podcast, uh, I rang him up and said, do you want to come on? And I don't know if you knew what it was at that stage, did you? But you, what, I, what I said was, I don't know how many times you're going to go around again. We'd like to throw a little thank you party for you. Mm. And you said, yeah, no worries. And so we put out all these flies saying, Kelly's retirement party. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we kind of did that again because uh, we don't know. We don't I, want you to stop. I retired in 98. That's right. <laughs> but mate, um, I was one we... years old. I'm going to be But mate, um, uh, we are super grateful for everything that, you know, you've given us all as surf fans. And, um, you know, you just, you are the GOAT. And uh, I think that we, we got together a few friends and uh, old rivals to uh, send a little message in. So the quality is shit ass because we're not very good on these fucking... Tech is not our strong point. But it's low res, it's out of focus. You probably won't be able to hear it. It's probably gonna be fucked. <laughs> Hey Kelly. Kelly Slater. Hi Kelly. Hey Kelly. From Slater. Yeah, Kelly. Hey Kelly. Hey Kelly. Huh. Yeah, Kelly. Kelly Slater. Where do you start? First time I met Kelly, he was about 14 years old. We were in Florida. We had a pretty funny confrontation when we met and You know, I remember watching you at you know, KS black and white now this year at 51 pipe. You know, even when he was blowing up at me from a metre away and, you know, spitting in my face and yelling uh, obscurities at me, um, still was in awe of him. And from my generation, generation before me, and the generation after me, you've inspired everyone. You're a true legend. And in true Kelly Slater fashion, you started your 50th year being the world number one. Amazing. The fact that you kept yourself healthy, and you're passionate and still, you're still interesting to watch. <clears throat> Maybe not so much on the dance floor, but. He always was trying to 
create a winning pathway. In my eyes, you must be the greatest athlete of all time. No matter what your what area of surfer you um, surfing that you loved, he was he was at the highest level of all those sort of facets and. He's won more contests than anybody will ever win. Still going and still got it, mate. Seeing you do it makes me believe I can do it. I think you should do it as long as you can. I think uh, having you in the events definitely makes it a lot more interesting. And uh, it's good seeing you taking it to those young guys and um, keeping them honest. I don't want you to quit, man. I want you to keep going. One of my favorites to watch. His main like, legacy that sticks out to me, though, is just kind of broke that stigma, I think, around, around that time. Like it would have been really hard for him to do that in those early days, like breaking that stigma and really um, taking care of his like, mental side and his physical side. And uh, I think, you know, he's kind of proved that that really works. And Whilst doing that, you've been a great positive influence to all of those around you. Much respect for the way you carry yourself around the world. You have a lot of respect for um, the local communities and local culture and that's awesome to see. Um, a big, big thank you to you Kelly for being so damn committed to love, to love this sport. I love the action, love the ride, the feeling, the whole, the whole, the whole thing. Really? Where does it finish? Like, it's been an incredible career. It's been just an absolute pleasure and honour to watch it unfold and to have heats together and surfed against you, to watch you all the way through to this most recent win. And um, if you had ever stopped, it would never have happened. So just keep coming, brother, keep winning, keep succeeding, keep setting bars. And yeah, yeah thank you and congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, you're a bloody legend and enjoy the night. Ah, that's well end. Yeah. It's been, yeah, just a really special um, friendship. And thank you very much for being such a damn goat. Fucking <laughs> goat. I don't know how you do I'm just flabbergasted. Can't wait to catch you in the water soon. Cheers. Congratulations, well done, and I know that the best is to come. Kelly Slater is the goat. Mate, uh, and if you're wondering what happened to Marty Paradisus, he headbutted a rock. Yeah, surfing a one-foot point break. Yeah. The irony. Mate, um, surfers from all walks of life, they're not just tour buddies, not just old rivals, not just mentors, but, you know, slab chasers, crew from far reaches, Barton Lynch looking like a Wookiee. <laughs> Best neckbeard I've seen since Shane Beshin was on tour. Um, that, that neck beard put Bash into shame right there. <laughs> um, yeah, mate, I mean, at 50, I guess you do a lot of reflecting, as you said in the final, you know, you're just trying to enjoy it. Are you starting to feel that sort of outpouring of, of love and gratitude from everywhere you go and everyone you see? Yeah, it's been incredible. I, uh, even, even being here with an Aussie crowd, like being with all you guys coming and, and yeah! 
sharing this night. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's just been like, um, I've never been like super nationalistic, you know what I mean? I like that I'm a, like from a redneck city, uh, state in Florida. Um, I grew up fishing and that kind of thing. But I, I, you know, I just, I love the world. I love all the places I go. I love Australia. Like I really, really love Australia. Um, and um, I'm just, it's easy to say that when you're somewhere. As a kid, I dreamt of going to Kira and surfing. And when I was 15, I came to Australia the first time. And it was just the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. And, um, and I've just always loved this country. And uh, I know I got myself in a little shit this year, being vocal in the media about the whole, like, mandates and all that, blah, blah, blah. Praise but, the Lord, mate. But Thank God. Someone speaks I, um, I, I love this country like my own. And um, what? Huh? Lots. Lots. All of them. <laughs> and, but I just, I, I love Australia like my own. It feels like home to me. Um, I lived in Sydney for 15 years. I've lived on the Gold Coast uh, part-time for about 17 years now. And um, like some of my favorite people in the world, to, to, to have a video like that. Um, I met Shane Haran. Tom Carroll, all those guys. I actually met them all when I was about 10, but they don't remember because I was just like a little toehead kid um, trying to get them to look at my portfolio and, you know, uh, my contest results in a, trying to get sponsored. But um, when I was about 12 or 13, Shane gave me one of his keel fins, me and my brother. And um, threw that straight in the bin, didn't you? Cheers, <laughs> oh, mate. I was looking for a sponsorship. <laughs> but <if I> can... <laughs> all I could think was he hated me. Like, why'd he give me that fucking thing? <laughs> um, and, uh, but, and, and I met Tom when I was a little kid, and he was just such a, such a good, he was so nice to me. And then Bruce Raymond, who some of you in this room won't know, but Bruce was my boss for years, and he's, he's like a father to me. He's like family. And, and it, the outpouring um, from, from Pipeline and all that, it, it, it was really the cherry on top of, like, my lifetime. And um, it's been... I had a lot of friends who don't show emotion, like Shane Dorian's one of my best friends in the world, and he's like, that afternoon he's at my house, he's like, dude, I was crying. He's like, it, it meant so much to so many people because of our generation, we, he's like, it made us feel sort of like we're here still, you know? And obviously the new generations come along and they take over and they, they run the show, but you know, to be able to be part of that and to feel that outpouring love along the way in all these different countries and, and to feel accepted in different places around the world has been really special to me. And, uh, and Australia has been the focus of that for me and, uh, since I was a little kid. And I just, I love this place. Uh, I could live here the rest of my life and, you know. Uh, Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. This house ain't no home to town. Yeah, get it, India. We're going to India. <laughs> but I think the Buddhists sum it up. They say when you see a large expanse of water, meditate upon it. Hey, you shop. Hey, you shop. Hey, you shop. Hey. What do we do? We all go and sit in the water. What happens? Contemplation, reflection of our life. Hey. 
I get back up attention, you're not. Hey. ATS's new shop is live now at theswellians.com. Uh, we're going to get a few questions. We're going to keep it pretty short because the boys might be surfing tomorrow. But um, thanks so much for coming out. And we're actually going to give away a, a brand new graphene weddy to the best question. So, Seth, mate. If you can judge best question, that'll be good. We're going to give away a brand new Billabong Weddy. Let's get some questions from the Swellians. This should be fun. I got a question for Kelly. Adzi. Oh, wait. Seth's got a question. Oh, he God. might win the Billabong Wetsuit. Are you done? Are you done crushing dreams after this year? <laughs> <laughs> like mine. I'll say this. It, it, <laughs> shit, you're sponsored by Billabong, right? As long as they'll let me surf that contest, I will. Like, if I was 70 and they're like, you want to walk? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll take it. Autom you should get an automatic wild card every year. <laughs> Same as Mick. Mick uh, should get an automatic wild card into Bells. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I'm pretty tired. I want to I wanna just kind of chase waves and have more time to myself. And, and um, I, look, whatever. I've, been, I've retired like 20 times. And your, your brother keeps yelling at me. But... Uh, yeah, everyone's like, you're trying to, like, you don't like Joel, why'd you say that online? You remember when I said that? I was like, I think I'm going to retire, too, like, eight, ten years ago. But, um, uh, fought, I don't fought, know. Fought, I'm, I'm, fought, I'm beating fought, around the bush. Fought. No, I'm just beating around the bush. I, I think this is going to be my last full year surfing competition. I'd still like to surf some contests for a few years, but I, I might be done with the grind here. You've already re-qualified, haven't you? you? still look I very good on a surfboard. <laughs> Hey, uh, you said before that winning the pipe comp was the cherry on top. I think there's one last cherry, isn't there? The WSL finals at the end of the year, trestles, where, you, where it all began. It's, it's got it. It would be awesome to make the... My, my first win after I turned pro was at trestles, so it, it would be nice to finish there if I could make that top five, but we'll see. I got to get my button. I can't keep getting ninths and stay in the top five, bro. G-Land. Chibes, I reckon you're there. Pretty crisp week, if you ask me. Uh, Adzi from uh, the Barrel Podcast, big podcast over here in the West. Fucking legends. Backing them all the way. Yeah, crew. Go for it. Mate, I don't have a question because he's such a fucking legend. I just think whatever you say is all good. But I did come up with a limerick. Are we still doing limericks on Ain't That Swell? Oh. Mate, I did have one about Taj Burrow, but he's not here. So, or should I do one about Taj? Or? Well, I got one about the goat as well. I thought about while surfing nude this morning at Barana. But, uh, <laughs> Kelly Slater, the man, he's the goat. I offered him shrooms and weed and he said nope. He won pipe at 50 with vaccines he's shifty, but we hope he competes till he croaks. Okay, is that okay? That's probably a billabong wetsuit. <laughs> uh, I, got, I got one about Taj. I, I, I'm going to give people a chance, though. Okay, Taj Burrow, we all love him. Taj Burrow, he's a local lad. More barrels and pussy nobody's had. He rips on a stick, nearly worn down his dick, but it doesn't matter because now he's a dad. Very good. 
Well done, Adzi. Listen to the Barrel Podcast. It's fucking genius. Thanks. All right, we got one over here. Name and question. All right, Pricey from Carbonot River. On your Pricey! <laughs> All right, this goes to the whole panel. You included Vaughan. If you go on a desert trip up north, you got a month up there. Pick three core West Australians you'd like to take with you. You guys can go first. And why? I'll take, and why? I'll take that guy. <laughs> if you were going to go up north, who would you go out there with? I, I would take. I would uh, my first. My first pick, Ant Man would be my second pick. He's got COVID though. He's in his room. He has had COVID for two days. Um, I'd take Mitch Thorson, who's uh, Mitch. Mitch, actually, I used to my first year on tour. First or second year on tour, Shane Doran and I traveled with Mitch for a little bit. And uh, he's a legend. He's always backed me and been a good friend. And, and he's always sending me little support messages. And um, probably have to take Jack Robbo. Well, he'd take me, but you know, I'd be with Jack. So that'd be my three. And, and Ant Man. Uh, yeah, I'd have, to, uh, I'd have to take definitely number one slot uh, Jeff Kemmel Goulden, because he's my favorite cunt on the planet all time. Uh, I didn't know, I was going to say Campbell, but I didn't know he's from WA because he lives in South Oz now, right? Yeah, he lives in South Oz, but I'm pretty sure he's from this, uh, this end of the coast. Uh, I'll tell you, a quick, a quick story on him. G-Land Pro the first year, there's, a, there's this guy sleeping in the bushes. He, no one knows him or likes him. He's, but he's, out, he's, out, he's out snaking all the pros. He runs into a big fish on a bottom turn hits the thing in the head, and the thing's like jittering in the water. He grabs it and goes, that's dinner, and he swims in with the thing. <laughs> yes. True story. He's the best, probably riding an asymmetrical fucking twin fin, something or other. One time. I'd have to take, yeah, no, you go. I was just gonna say, I got a, I got a fish, dead fish story too. One time uh, I was on the boat, coming back from uh, Tabarua to the mainland, and Dave Wassell was our driver, and a flying fish just flew out of the water, hit the side of the boat and just started flapping around at his feet and he just went, oh! And just ate it in front of us and he goes, fuck, I was starving. He had a wing just going... Blah, 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 blah. Uh, get back on protection, you mate. Nice guy. Hey, question for the panel, esteemed panel. What's your name, mate? Uh, oh, mate, whoa. Hey. Yeah, you don't have to stuck it off, mate. Don't dethrone it, don't dethrone it. Take it easy there, champion. Uh, it's another limerick, mate. That's all right. There once was an old goat named Kelly whose cornhole was pretty smelly. He rinsed and he rinsed and he rinsed it some more, but then he thought, fuck it, I'll just dominate back door. Well done, hey, you got, up, you got it done, mate. Well played. That was, that was kind of personal. <laughs> Pretty pissed week if you ask me. T-Bone, question for Kelly. You mentioned Ant-Man before. Can you tell me the story on the year you robbed Ant-Man of the Eddy? Oh. <laughs> I didn't fucking rob that guy. I robbed Tony Ray. <laughs> That's right. I robbed Tony Ray. That's right. 
No, the, the, quick, the, the quick version of that, at, at the Eddy, you get eight waves. They take your top four rides. And there's a board that has every single ride score. And they start doing the ceremony and counting. They're going, okay, we're going to announce the top, I think they announced top six or eight. <clears throat> and they they're already announcing, like, the second person. And at that time, I'm in either third or fifth. I forget which. And they're doing the top five, and I'm in third place. And I'm looking at the scores, and I'm sitting there with Brock. And, and um, I said something to Brock when I was, like, 20 years old that was the way I said it sounded wrong, but he understood what it meant. And I said, Shane Dorn and I got into the Eddie when, I was, when we were both 20 years old. And we, I remember Shane and I were filling out the forms and we were, I was like terrified. Shane already charged like crazy. He was out of his mind. But I was like still pretty intimidated. I'm like, the Eddie, I have to take off. Like I know I surfed from Waimea ways, but like you got to really go. And we're filling out the thing and I'm scared to send the thing in and say yes. And um, I'm talking to Brock about it. And I said, I said, with my luck, I'll win the Eddie one day. And I didn't mean that like I'll be charging. I meant like everyone else will fall and I'll be on the shoulder. And Brock's like, I know what you mean. He's like, he's like I fucking charge way more than you. I know what you mean. <laughs> and, and, um, um, and I just brain farted and forgot where, where, where the point of my story was. Oh, yeah, so we're looking at the scores. So, so we're looking at the scores and I'm standing with Brock. And I'm recounting that story in my head. And... And I go, Brock, they counted my first, second, third, and fifth ride. And I go, if they count my fourth ride, I get an extra 30 points and I go into first place. And he goes, you just won the Eddie. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And, and he goes, you better go tell Faith. And she's the woman who does the scores. And I'm like, I go up to Faith. I'm like, Faith, they, they counted my fifth ride, not my fourth ride. And I, I'm in first. And there was a few Aussies, fucking Aussies. Uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a there's a bunch of Aussies in the crowd, right? There's a there's a bunch of Aussies in the crowd. I think it was those guys, and 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 you could already see the scores if you if they they had already like kind of put the places up, and Tony was in first, and I was like, I was I felt so awkward. I'm like, I don't know if I should say something. Brock's like, you gotta say something. You won the fucking Eddie, you know, and um so I went up and told her, and they're like, and uh, whoever's announcing. Uh, Skill Johnson was announcing. Remember Skill? Any, anyway, Skill's announcing. He's like, oh, hold on a second. We, we're going to speak a couple minutes. And all of a sudden, like, word started spreading that the scores were getting changed. There's a score discrepancy, and the Aussie guy started, whoa, mate, well, fucking, oh, quick, fucking Quicksilver. Fucking Quicksilver. <laughs> and and I, felt, I felt so bad. I felt so bad for Tony. But not that bad. Hope you get the lot, you dog. Blows, yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, a couple more, a couple more, then we're going to wrap it. Mate, you've been vocal. What do you got for us? Name and quiz. Uh, Jordan from Bump Up Foot Nowhere. Uh, Slider, you've been the GOAT for so many years, uh, from the last 10 years to the previous. What's next? We're, uh, we've been watching you for so many years, and... Uh, Who's your goat? Who's your goat? And uh, where you going from there? Well, did you get that? You got that? So, 
We've been here for two hours. <laughs> uh, look at him, I have the security guard to start clean. Give that man the wetsuit. He deserves it. Mate, I would, but... All right, All right. wait up. Kelly, who is your... to answer your question, I'm going back to Margaret River tonight. I like the question, though. Who is your goat? Who is, who is your... Who, I mean, you're, the, you're our goat, but who's your goat? Like, like, like. <laughs> I know what you meant. I know what you meant. Um, gosh. Tongue tied. Tongue tied. You're too good. Um, I don't know. It depends on if that's like a personal question or like a sport question, you know? Like, I, there's a lot of athletes that have inspired me, a lot of surfers I love. Tom Curran's my all time favorite surfer. And um, I, I, like Tom inspired a generation. Um, you know, arguably he was the biggest inspiration for Aki as well to push Aki. But, but Tom, when I was a kid, everyone in America tried to surf like Tom Curran. We all tried to copy his style. We all started looking fucking goofy with our arms and stuff because we, we wanted to be Tom Curran. But Tom really, uh, I mean, I know he, he won three world titles, but he probably truly underperformed by a long shot because I, I really feel at that time he was so much better than everybody and he didn't really put all that focus into competition after a little while but Tom Tom's my goat for sure Tom is like my all-time hero Tom Carroll's right there with him Aki and Potts were my guys too but but uh and my my, my first favorite surfer was Buttons when I was a little kid but uh but Tom Curran was my biggest influence in my life for surfing. And more broadly, like on a, on a I don't know whether you want to go in, in just a more general sporting, like your sporting goat, and maybe even your spiritual goat. Like who, who do you, you know, who do you um, take your kind of, your lessons, teaching, inspiration for life from? Do you have like a, a kind of a guru or a, a, a figure that, whose teachings that you, you lean on at, at difficult times? Uh, 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 another sporting icon in Australia, Trevor Hendy, is a very close friend of mine. Been a big influence on me in my life. And, uh, yeah, it, Trevor's right there. Pretty pissed week, if you ask me. We got a question from a swellier up here, Smithy. What's your name? Sarah. Sarah. This is a question for Kelly and Seth. Just wondering, and we'll obviously beat this out, but best wave and best wipeout in WA? Ooh, the first year, the first year I came here, I got to surf the box for six straight hours with two guys in the water. With, it was Todd Holland and Poto. And, um, and it was just the three of us for like six hours, perfect four to six foot box, amazing. My best wipeout was at main break on about a 10 footer in a heat against Adriano, broke my board, he smoked me. Here's fun. <laughs> Seth? Best wave, best wipeout in the West. Griffin's one was pretty sick. Uh, when he I mean, that was the off. best wipeout I've ever seen in in, in uh, West Oz. Was Griffin Colapinto at the box? I think. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I, I, I think we need Griffin up here. Let's go. Come on, Griffin. Come on, Griffin. Come on, Mike. 
I think Griff got pretty comfortable in the lineup and um, he thought he was on and a set was coming. He turned around. He's right there. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> It would be, I mean, I don't know if you guys seen it, it would be good if we could pull it up, but uh, Griff, Griff paddled for this wave and a, a boogie had the right away and I don't know who it was, he might be here, but yeah, whoever he was, but he called him off and Griff got sucked over the falls, sitting down on his surfboard, um, it was pretty nuts. What was going through your mind there, Griff, as you're sort of, you know, sitting on your board, looking straight down the abyss, nothing but dry rock and... Uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of skeletons from Goofy <laughs> Footers out there or something. Uh, yeah, I had just piled out to the box and it was pretty crowded. And I think I was a little cocky from a few sessions before and I wanted a wave so bad because I had to surf main break all day and then it was firing. So I, I got over there and I was seeing everyone get really good waves and I was really jealous. So I got out there and uh, the pack was pretty heavy and I was sitting underneath everyone like just hoping to get lucky. And then I, I thought, oh, like I'm gonna get lucky, I'm gonna get lucky. And then one came and I was like in the perfect spot and I was, I was feeling it, I'm, I'm going. And at this point I, I'm fully committed. And then I just, last minute I hear this guy like just give these little hoots like, hoo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> And I look back and it's a fucking dick dragger and I'm just like, fuck! Oh. <laughs> 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 and uh, with all due respect, I, I am in their hometown, so I, uh, I pulled the e-brake and I just slowly start getting sucked over while this guy just gets the most perfect barrel, best wave of the day. And somehow, I didn't get hurt, I didn't hit the bottom, but I broke my board. And Jack Ralbo was right on the inside and he watched the whole thing happen. He couldn't believe I survived that, but uh, yeah. I can't uh, believe you're memory. gonna survive getting out of this room alive after calling them dick draggers, mate. <laughs> hey, uh, I reckon one more question, last one. G'day, mate. What's your name? Bev. Bev, from the West. Last question of the night. There's a weddy on the line. What do you got for us? Well, Kelly, Southivin and Griff, if you had one wave you can surf for the rest of your life and the conditions, what would you pick? That's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> have a hat, Dave. It's probably pipeline into a lower section on the inside. I would go cloud break in Fiji. I'd go Nico's in Bali before they built the break wall and fuck the joint. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like what Seth said, L the lowers one. Hey, hey uh, I'm gonna do one more because I got over here. All right, name and question. It's probably to Kelly and maybe Seth as well, maybe his old man might be able to answer this one, but um, was Ronnie Burns something special because he come over the West and he kind of owned up North and we love him from Bunyip Dream him. And was Ronnie Burns just something special or what? Mate, that's a great question, what's your name? Chris, oh hang on, can't just give you a wedding. Fuck, gotta get judged first. I'll go first. I never really got to experience any. Um, I don't know. I, I never knew Ronnie Burns. That was 
the baby. So, but I've heard the stories and everything about him, and he's iconic in Hawaii and all over the world. So I know Kelly has a lot of special moments, and I think Ronnie Burns was a pretty close, close and special guy to Kelly's heart. And I've heard stories, so I think he can take it over. Yeah, Ron Ronnie died the day I turned pro, um, July of 1990. <clears throat> and uh, like I said, he was really influential on me at Pipeline, and he was a super nice guy, like really quiet and just confident in the water and stuff. I didn't know him super well, but I, I really was influenced by him at Pipeline, but great guy. And like I said, the Bunyip Dreaming stuff, some of that early Jack McCoy footage that he had, the Billabong movies. Super impressionable for me and a lot of young guys, but yeah, he was a, he was a legend, and um, really untimely death, strange, um, just weird. But um, what yeah, were I, the I feel some strange connection to him. What were the circumstances of his death, if you don't mind me asking? Was it was it Rocky Roberts or something like that? No, I think he died of technically of dehydration. He was out um, riding motorbikes um, up Kahuku and behind Kahuku and. Um, he was found there. I think yeah. we might have to ask one more question because room feels a little... That was kind of somber. Yeah, it was a bit. But yeah. It was a bit. Hey. What's your name, bro? Oh, you just... You just barred that guy. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, you're obviously a legend of the wave pool world. Uh, we saw you in the uh, wave pool in Tullamarine the other day. Like, talk to us a bit about that after... Uh, I've actually surfed your pool and it was freaking amazing. But to see you over here and sampling... The one in Tullamarine, and we're all hoping there'll be one in WA one day. Just interested to hear your thoughts on all that. Do you want to end this night on a wave pool question, anyone? I, I, I'm interested. You can talk. We got one more. But I, I will say, answer, answer. I got, I, got, I got zero hate for any other wave pool. I really enjoyed it down there. I've been to Waco also. I enjoyed that. Um, the one in Japan looks awesome. But Tullamarine was super fun. I had a I would recommend anyone who wants to go with their friends. It, it's a super fun experience. And um, I really enjoyed it the other night. I was really stoked they invited us to come. Thank you. Thank you for your insight on the wave pool. Um, Are you okay? I'm good. <laughs> all right. I'm good. I mean, He's got two beers in his hand. I've been looking forward to this all bloody night, mate. <laughs> okay. Honesty corner. Let's call it. You get into the top five, Trestles, 2010 conditions. You beat Bede. Remember that? Pumping. When I Trestles beat, was pumping. Who was that? Bede? Was Bede. that the year with Bede? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bede. It was an Aussie. I don't know. <laughs> it was an Aussie. It was an Aussie. Bede. Okay. So, <laughs> You win this year. Done. 12th, 12th world title. You win this year. What do you do? Next. It's, it's anticlimactic, isn't it? Mate, we should have quit while we We should have quit. It's a, all right. It's a, make it good, man. Make it good because I just gave you a fucking wetsuit, all right? Need to end this night on a, on a good one. I've been waiting, been waiting. All right, boys, Carol, this is for you. So after all the goat fuckery you've done over the last few decades, what's the number one thing that you're going to implement that you realise it was just a little bit too far? 
and you had to pull back. Not bad. It's Wait, not bad. What, what was too far? What was the one thing you thought about doing to someone during a heat that you just went, ooh, nah? Okay, did you? Okay, listen, sit down. Um, no, did, did you guys watch that heat with Jordy the other day? With Jordy and Jacko? Yeah. So I had a situation like that with Mick at Trestles. And um, it, was, it was really interesting because I basically did the same thing that Jordy did. But we were about 20 yards away, Mick and I. Mick was further down the line. <clears throat> and um, I had priority. It was a semifinal. I, I don't know which year, but maybe like 10 years ago. You want that mic? I know you do. Um, yeah. No, so, so I, basically, I basically sort of did the same thing. So like when Jordy did that the other day, I was like, oh, what a dick. But um, the old, the, uh, there's, a, there's to a certain extent where you can do whatever within the rules and like push it and it's fine. But if you don't own it afterwards, you're just a kook. Like, you're, whatever. But I just call Jordy a kook. Because, <laughs> no, no, but the reason, here's the thing. So, so I, but I did the exact same thing. So Mick was paddling for a wave. I was, I was paddling, I had priority, I was deeper. I pretended like I didn't want it. Mick turned around and looked down line and, and, and took off thinking I hadn't gone. As soon as he looked away from me, I took off on the wave. And as I stood up, I'm like, that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> and I just kind of, I never got to where he was, but I like, Mick rode the wave, but then he realized I did that. Mick and I are pretty good friends, you know, like we're, we're pretty straight with each other. And that night we went out and Mick was just maggot, like just <laughs> so drunk. And, and, it's maggot mate. It's fucking maggot. Hey. <laughs> no, like, like, no, 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 way worse than that guy right now. And, um, and, <laughs> and, and, um, all's fair in this room, right? Okay. No, so we go to this bar and we were in San Clemente and we're at this, um, this, this bar and Mick kept walking by me and shouldering me, just fuck off, man. Fuck. And he just kept like, telling me to fuck off and, and, and I thought we we're gonna fight. I really, I was like, this is it, like, we're gonna fully fight. <laughs> and, and, and then he called me the next morning. Like we went at it a few times, people had to pull us apart and stuff. I'm like, fucking outside. And we, we just like, you know, alcohol is great for people. <laughs> um, so, no, so, so the next morning Mick calls me, he's all right, all right, mate. Fucking apologize to me. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, hey, I was, like, emotional. I was probably a little hungover, but I was, like, emotional. I felt really bad about what I did because I knew what I had done was wrong because it was, like, there's a certain fairness within the rules, like, all's fair in love and war, that kind of whatever when you're competing. But Mick knew I was being sneaky, and he and I have always been real fair when we surf against It's, like, let's surf. Whoever surfs better wins the heat, and, um, and that's it. We've always had this kind of agreement, and... Belly, who's like my team manager forever, and Hanley, who's his shaper, they bet 500 bucks on every heat we have. So we gotta keep it square, we gotta keep it straight. But um, 
So I did that to Mick. He called me. He's like, you got to apologize to me, Mick. And I'm like, no. Nah, and he's like, just apologize. We'll be good. And I'm like, nah. and I, I just like was holding it in. And I'm like, fuck, I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm sorry. It was cheap. It was like cheap of me to do that. And he's like, it was. And we're good. And, but Mick's like the fairest guy. Mick will get mindless drunk and be an idiot. And he'll call you up the next day and just apologize to you. And he's always like the fairest, straightest dude ever I've, I've known on tour. <laughs> and, and, and so to just double back the reason I just said that, it, it's, it's cool. You can call me out. But like when Jordy did his heat interview afterwards, he's like, well, you know, he messed up my line and stuff. And I'm like, no, you're being sneaky. Just tell it. Just, just like the heat's over. Yeah. You lost. Like tell it how it is. You were being sneaky. Hi, I've uh, done it. Just on, that, just on that big story, we've got a saying here, I don't know if you've heard it, most of the Swillians know it. It goes like this. He's big fanny. He's that fucking good. Mate, everyone on behalf of everyone here, big fanny is a great set.